Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yep, in the bullpen today, we have Pedro Gonzalez, associate editor at Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. This person has written for America Greatness, Fox News, Newsweek, New York Post, Washington Times, Daily Caller. The list goes on and on. You can check him out, has an extensive and impressive resume. Pedro, good day, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. We're gonna chop it up about the Rittenhouse case, which is a hot topic at the moment, hot button issue. And also criminal justice as a system. We'll talk about both of those dynamics. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about the Rittenhouse case or the criminal justice system. So if you would share with us your sentiment. I think my sentiment is nuanced, we'll say that. Okay. On the one hand, I have written extensively about the problems of the surveillance and the security state. Perhaps the most prominent example of this is Capitol Police opening new field offices outside of the Capitol in places like California and Florida while deploying military technology with the help of the US Army that was first implemented and used to surveil civilians in Iraq and Afghanistan. So this is a topic that I've written about extensively. But obviously, I'm also someone who comes down on the side of law and order. I'm not pro rioting, I'm not pro anarchy. And it seems to me that in parts of the country, the police are something like afraid to do their jobs because of reprisal. That's not true in every part of the country, but it's certainly true in some parts of the country. So we'll start there. Okay, so I would assume you do agree with me that the January 6th riot was in fact a riot and a criminal act. I'll say that it was a riot. Okay, did they commit criminal trespass? I'm not sure. Frankly, the January 6th thing is really boring to me. I don't think it was in terms of the repercussions of that. In terms of the scale of destruction, I think it's insignificant compared to last year's riots. Okay, but I am going to ask you anyway, even if it does bore you, Pedro. Do you think what they did, those that breached secure areas, did they in fact commit criminal trespass? The reason why I'm asking you this line of questioning is because in your opening statement, you talked about police officers basically not doing their job because they are afraid of something. Now you are a pontificator, you are a pundit, you are a writer, you are a conveyor of stories and a conveyor of facts. So when I ask you a question, don't be afraid to tell the truth, brother. The truth will set you free. On January 6th, did individuals commit criminal acts? I will start with criminal trespass. I can't give you a straight answer because this is not a straight question. There is evidence that police malfeasance may have actually resulted in that riot, like it has elsewhere in the country. So I actually think this is not a yes or no question. Do you think anyone committed the crime of destruction or destroying property? Sure. Okay. Do you think that people committed the crime of assault on other individuals, in particular? Capitol Police officers who have testified to that fact. Sure. Okay, so there were criminals people committed 
criminality on January 6th. So we got that clear. Um, let's talk about the Capitol Police because you brought them up. I understand, you know, I'm not a police state guy, okay? Um, you know, for obvious reasons. Hasn't always worked out for people in my community. Over policing is the prerequisite in the criminal justice system for a whole lot of discriminatory actions that have been taken against people of color. So I understand what you're saying. I do think it's important to note that the Capitol Police are not the police for the Capitol. They are federal police and their jurisdiction by way of statute is federal. So when they open up an office somewhere in another state, it's not as if there's some contradiction with a statutory dynamic, they are federal police. When we discuss the Kyle Rittenhouse case, just generally, just as a narrative, there's this strong sentiment, especially among conservatives, that Kyle Rittenhouse was simply an individual who wanted to protect property and was defending his life. And that's why he killed two people and almost killed a third. Do you agree with that narrative or is there nuance in that narrative to you? The basic narrative that Kyle acted in self-defense, yes, I agree with that. Do you think he was in lawful possession of the firearm? Yes. Okay, and tell me why. Because it was not a short barreled rifle. And in Wisconsin, the statute only applies to rifles that have a, a certain barrel length. Kyle's wasn't. That's Let why that charge was dismissed by a judge. Let me read to you the statute. Um, this is Wisconsin State Law 948.60, two way states. Any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a class A misdemeanor. The statute itself actually does not determine what that dangerous weapon is. The statute says, as I just read to you. So let me ask you, was what Kyle Rittenhouse had in his hand, was it a dangerous weapon? That, no, this is a misdirection. Look, the judgment Yes. It's a direct it's a direct question to you, sir. No, it's not. It's not a direct question. The judge dismissed the charge because there's a statute that says clearly that whether or not an 18-year-old can have that type of weapon. I just read the statute. To you. What? Sir, I just read the statute to you. Then no, the, the you're then you're omitting you can the read clause. It. It's a why, it's why irrelevant. It Look, I don't have the statute in front of me, but it's irrelevant if you don't want to read it. The judge no, made a call based on the letter of the law. It wasn't a short belt rifle then the charge is dismissed, it's that simple. If you don't like it, pass a law to change it. Let me tell you where you're getting the statute confused. Once again, for the sake of those who are watching, I'm going to read what the statute says. You can look me up, 948-602A states, any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a class A misdemeanor. There is no debate that Kyle Rittenhouse was 17 years of age when the killings and attempted killing Took place. There's no argument about that. There's no argument about that whatsoever. Now, um, the part that you're getting mixed up here is uh, talking about the size of the weapon, right? Well, in the interpretation or the statutory clause beyond that, it's talking about for hunting purposes, specifically for hunting purposes. So one could definitely argue that if Kyle Rittenhouse was hunting, that's the reason why he was asked by the prosecutor, did you plan to hunt with the weapon? If he was hunting, then maybe there's some wiggle room here as far as who can have authority or oversight over the young man. The killer, Kyle Rittenhouse, did not get that gun in order to go hunting. Do you not find it ironic that the person that illegally got the gun for him has been charged with two felonies? 
I find it strange that you're trying to make an argument that is clear cut self defense, a minor who defended himself against a convicted pedophile who anally raped five little boys and a repeat domestic abuser who held family hostage with a knife. And Gage Grosskreutz, a member of a paramilitary organization that tried to execute Kyle Rittenhouse. You're trying to reframe this into an argument over the interpretation of the First Amendments and whether one can actually defend themselves when their life is That's at not stake. the argument. And yes, Pedro, it is. Glad it is the, it's all the argument. You're trying to read this hunting argument into the basis of the, the First in, Amendment, the which is whether language. or not. So that's are you saying language. that Kyle should have just, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in, illegally in possession of this rifle. I'll just put it down and allow these people to kill me. Is that Let your me argument? Let me answer that question and I will answer that question directly. And let me remind you that all that you have said about the victims, if true, true. if true, think about this, Pedro. There there are records. Think about this. this. They're convicted. That means that in your world, people that have prior bad acts deserve to die. No, in my world, when a pedophile tries to arrest a rifle. From a kid who's retreating and doing everything he can to de-escalate the situation. Mm. When a pedophile tries to physically assault a minor, that minor has a right to kill them. So is Same he a way. minor Same or, thing or an with- adult? But but Pedro, I, I get what you're saying. But let me just put some clarity here. Those individuals should have exactly what Kyle Rittenhouse has right now. And it's called due process. But due process was taken away from them by a 17 year old who decided to take the law in his own they hands. They forfeited it when they tried to kill him as he do was you trying not to believe? turn himself into police. That's do what you? Anthony Huber did. He hit okay. him with a skateboard, knocked him down. Kyle Rittenhouse right. gets kicked in the head. Pedro, Anthony Huber aware? hits him twice. Are you I mean, aware what do you of what want? Kyle? Do you want him to do you want these people to lay down and die as their city's being burned? If you want to be angry right. at somebody, Pedro? be angry at the state government. Okay, Pedro, do you agree with Rittenhouse that he was there? Uh, in order to protect property. Yes. Okay. Are you aware that it's also statutory law in Wisconsin that it is illegal to use deadly force in the protection of property? Did you know that? When he was attacked, was he protecting property or himself? Was, Sir, was when he was attacked, pretext, was he protecting a was he protect no, it's a simple question. Answer it. Was he protecting a car wash or was he protecting himself from someone who was trying to disarm him who had told him, I'm going to cut your heart out, I'm going to kill you? Was he Let what me was tell he you what, what I've learned. And and listen, I'm just a second year law student, but something I learned. I'm um, not a law student. Okay, something I learned about the law. If you have a weapon, number one, if you have a weapon illegally and you go into a contentious situation and you provoke others and you are attacked or someone tries to disarm you because you have illegally armed yourself, you cannot then yell self-defense. Rittenhouse was trying to put on fire. You are- Hold on, extinguishing a fire is provoking others? That's what he was doing when Joseph Rosenbaum charged him. Okay, Pedro, think about it. Is the new normal now, I want you to really think about this. If I'm not supposed to be in possession of a firearm and I go get one and I go into a contentious situation and I have my firearm and somebody tries to disarm me, I'm not in lawful possession of it and I kill them. Is that now the new normal? Should there be any penalty repercussion? How do you feel about Gage Grosskreutz, who was also illegally in possession of the handgun that he tried to kill Rittenhouse with? Because he had actually been arrested for being intoxicated while brandishing a firearm. Why isn't that a talking point? Bring to your attention a guy named Ronnie Purvis. Ronnie Purvis had a firearm inside of a mall. Ronnie Purvis used it in order to kill an individual who attempted to attack him inside of the mall. Witnesses galore, Ronnie Purvis is a black male. Ronnie Purvis was arrested and prosecuted for manslaughter because 
even though the prosecutor said clearly this was self defense. Mr. Purvis had no right to that gun in the first place because Mr. Purvis was a convicted felon and he got sentenced to 15 years. Okay, you didn't answer the question about Gage, you just gave this other example. And I can give you a counter example of a man named Jake Gardner, a yep. white man who called the police because BLM was tearing up his bar. And yep. when he got attacked, after he and his father were attacked, knocked to the ground several times, he fired a shot over his shoulder that killed the guy that was trying to choke him out. A prosecutor initially declined to file charges because it's cut and dry self-defense. BLM bucks the system, demands a grand jury and a special prosecutor. Great Jake Gardner, without any new evidence, goes from a self-defense case to four felonies, and he ends up killing himself because he lost faith in the justice system. So, I mean, we can do this all day, give counterexamples of this, but you didn't okay. actually answer the question about Gage Grosskreutz. Do you think he should have been there with the weapon? He was out of state, by the way. If there is, if there is any person who is unlawfully armed, they should not be unlawfully armed. That's period. There's no debate with me about that, none whatsoever. I have a different take on this than you do. I think Kyle Rittenhouse and his state of mind should be front and center in this case. The judge has kept it out. But you know and I know that 15 days before he killed those two individuals and tried to kill a third, he said, he said on the video to those who were running out of a store, he wish he had his AR so he could kill them, right? So he could shoot at them. Does that not say murder to you? When you actually consider what happened that night and the fact that in both instances, in the, well, in the first instance, Joseph Rosenbaum had already threatened to kill him several times and Kyle Rittenhouse didn't act on that impulse that you just laid out here. And in fact, he tried to run away from Joseph Rosenbaum. Same thing with Anthony Huber, he was trying to turn himself into the cops. He got hit four times before shooting Anthony Huber. Three times by him and then once by some random person and only then did he pull the trigger. So your argument about intent falls apart when you actually consider no, it doesn't, it that Rittenhouse did everything when he could to de-escalate the situation. Come the on, fact brother. is is that he's Pedro. white, that's the basis Pedro. of this whole lynching. Pedro, Oh, come on man, now you are assuming the reason that I believe Kyle Rittenhouse is a killer. You should know better than that. I think he's a killer because he said 15 days before the killing, that he wanted to kill. What he said is irrelevant. Individual. What did he do? Wait a did minute, he, how in the hell not try to turn is somebody saying, did he I'm going did to he murder someone? To how in the hell, hold on Pedro, how is that irrelevant when someone says, I'm gonna murder this person and then and they then end up doing and it. And then miraculously, he doesn't actually act on it. He tries to disengage and turn himself <laughs> into the cops. What does that say? This actually, so that shows to me. his remarkable self-restraint. If someone tries to jump on you, he actually shot Joseph Rosenbaum after the second time he tried to take his gun away. In other words, well, his gun should have been taken away. I would have tried to disarm my damn. Right. I would have snuck him. You think of so a convicted child that should have been able to disarm a minor? Yeah, yeah you're and damn right. Somebody who is, you know, why? <laughs> I'm glad because you here's, admitted it. Here's I'm glad what the law says. Here's what the law says, sir. Pedro, once again, the law says that anyone, any person under the age of 18 who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a class A misdemeanor. I be damned if I let a kid walk around with an, a semi-automatic weapon anywhere that I'm in, I will absolutely try to disarm them. And why was he walking around with it? Because the state government was paralyzed by Black Lives Matter. <laughs> they could have called in the National Guard. Okay. They could have stopped the rioting, so, but they didn't precisely because of this narrative. 
Got you. All right, we only have a few minutes left to talk about the criminal justice system as a whole, which we agreed to talk about as well. We're gonna agree to disagree on the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, but we probably do agree that he will likely get off and be found not guilty. Sad day so. in America, sad day in America. All right, the criminal justice system as a whole, over 90% of Americans believe that police reform is necessary. 58% of Republicans believe it. this is truly a bipartisan issue. There's really nobody on the fence about police reform on some level, police accountability, etc. And then when we look at prison rates in America, the programs that actually create a, that lessen the school to prison pipelines, typically conservatives defund those programs. What are your thoughts about it? There's a lot there. I think that there's a room for a discussion about reform. Yep. But I think that oftentimes the people that are the loudest in this discussion are not actually calling for something like reasonable reform. And they're instead capitalizing on public opinion that's created by these media narratives of basically just police being malicious and executing minorities every chance they get, which is not true. Well, so I think that there is actually is. room for a debate here. But more often than not, what we're actually getting is district attorneys that are allowing hardened criminals to go free. And curiously enough, last year, it's it's the people that were supposed to be helping here, minorities, right? Well, something like 56% of Latino Democrats supported deploying the National Guard to assist police in putting down the riots, that according to a CBS poll. There's actually a ton of polling that shows that the same people that you think are you know begging for us to defund the police or whatever, empty out prisons, are also the ones that these policies directly affect. And then they change you know their minds really or they find out that the Pedro. polling was wrong. What's really hypocritical, Pedro, is that you can moralize on Black Lives Matter, even though less than 1% of any Black Lives Matter protest created any riotous behavior. Less than 1% and yet they caused about $2 billion worth Pedro, of damage. So you have the most Pedro, destructive rioting in American history. Pedro, I allowed you to talk, but I only got a few minutes left. So I'm gonna go ahead and finish. But you can moralize on Black Lives Matter, right? You can yes. moralize on protesters who are involved in a protest that may be left leaning. But you cannot call the terrorist attack on January 6th, which basically all white people, who ran into a US Capitol. Which one of these things was more property, destructive? This is a simple question. Which one was Sir, more destructive? If you are a principled individual, you can clearly call out what happened on January 6th. But you're scared to do that because that's your crew. You're scared to go against your crew. You know, good damn well. That one was I can say that they were both criminal acts, but hmm. the idea that these are the same is absurd. The amount of people that were killed as a direct result of BLM rights, the, the amount of damage that was caused as a direct result of BLM rights, which by the way destroyed name me, name these me middle a, a and black lower class matter. communities. Name me a Black Lives Matter protester, a Black Lives Matter member that killed somebody. Name one. Oh, sorry, are you saying that everyone who was- Name a Black Lives Matter protester that killed somebody, name one. So all of these dead bodies at BLM protests- Name one. The dead body person, that was found inside a of Black a Lives Matter member Wisconsin, did that just spontaneously killed, sir, combust? I'm asking a direct question. Name one person that a member Maybe of Black Lives Matter. Maybe the fact that we're not actually arresting BLM protesters who ah, it's the BLM state it actually shows that your argument is completely bogus. Mm. There's a two tier justice system in this yeah. country. And BLM has institutional support, whether you want to accept it or not. Do you, how many uh, capital <laughs> protests? So now, wait a minute. So black people. $10 billion. Wait a minute, Pedro. So you're saying on my show that black people are the ones 
who now are privileged in America, they receive BLM special protection from the same police. thing as all black people. That is absurd. Look, this, these organizations pulled in $10 billion. The organizers of Black Lives Matter, Matter they got gin up racial hate in America. What did they do with that money? You know how they didn't much give money? it back to black Wait communities, they bought homes. Money. Wait a minute, I'm glad you brought that up. Since we're comparing money, how much money did these right wing extremist groups that are run exclusively by white bigots make last year? How much? Was it 10 billion? 118 billion, sir. 118 what, what, billion. What are you even talking about? What do you what numbers are you looking at? Sir, here's what we'll do. I want to send you all of these records because obviously you research one side and not the no, other. No, 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 no. What 100, give me a group. Give, are you talking about like billion. conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation or something? Well, anything that's right leaning and that extreme. is hilarious. You're that's literally money, just lumping in the Cato Institute, Heritage, Amer like these lame organizations. They're now white supremacists. That is a joke. That's not an these argument. Right leaning organizations. I can tell you that Black pay, Lives pay, Matter pay, affiliated causes pulled in ten billion dollars. Where did that money go? Why you? Why do you think that Black Lives Matter receives some level of special protection when they're literally fighting and advocating? To make sure that there is equal protection of black and brown bodies in particular. Why do you think that they're out here protesting and going to jail? You're talking about a leadership structure of a Black Lives Matter organization. I'm talking about a movement for black lives, which is different, even though they are similar in some aspects. So do the people that you're claiming to represent, do they benefit from having their communities destroyed and from being less safe? Sure. Once again, that's the false narrative. And Pedro, I hope I can engage How is in the sensible. False? Pedro, I hope it I happened. can engage did, in the Did Kenosha get burned to the ground, yes or no? I hope I can engage in a sensible conversation or dialogue with you about that. The fact that you would bring up that somehow Black Lives Matter as a protest, a movement, an organization, that they are just committing destruction all across this country. That's a false narrative, brother. You know it. Less than one percent of any. You, you actually haven't answered the question of these less destructive rights, sir. Less than one percent of any of these protests that were affiliated with a Black Lives Matter movement ended up in any destruction of property. That right, is a less fact. than one percent. Fact. Less than one percent. Okay. So a super minority caused about two billion dollars worth of damage. I don't know where you're getting. Over I don't two, know where you're getting those numbers from, and I really don't Axios. care about. Those it's numbers. Look up. There's but a important axioms that you don't hijack a narrative that says the movement for Black Lives is somehow a terrorist movement or a criminal movement or a destructive movement. It's a black good movement. What black happens matter as a six, movement doesn't a actually serve movement. anyone. It doesn't serve anyone except for the activists that benefit from it. Like these people are destroying well, it, communities, it benefit, it, allowing it murderers me. and rapists to go free. From it prison. has benefited, brother. It has benefited me and my community because Black Lives Matter protesters in the city of Atlanta, they're the ones that made sure the city got all cameras for police officers. That now there is a duty to report unlawful behavior, behavior of cops, and if they do not, that cop can be arrested. Now there's a database. A fix with the city of Atlanta for bad actors who are on the police department that citizens can see. Those things happen because of Black Lives Matter and the movement of Black Lives in the city of Atlanta. You and have Black Lives Matter has also Black Lives Matter has also complained about the use of body cameras when they make people look bad. Pedro, they make felons look bad, actually. Pedro, the general population in America, I mean in Atlanta, they are for 
all of the policies that Black Lives Matter implemented in the city. So when you say they have not done anything, that's simply a damn lie. Look, I think right. we can separate police reform from the organizational structure of Black Lives Matter. That is an entirely separate discussion. That that's not no. what we're debating. I mean, here. you want to separate it because the impact is real, and you don't want to give them credit. So I understand why the you impact want to is real because organizations like Citibank support Black Lives Matter. Well, they support the organization structure. Yeah, they have made contributions. I appreciate you being on the show, brother. Thank you, and we'll have you back. I'm just out of time.